It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. The Wolverines make history in Iowa City. Details next on this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. But there's going to be one team that's going to play solely as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. Let's see for Anthony Clark. Wait for it. Anthony Clark. Hey, hey, hey. They said you can't be Ohio State. Now what? Now what? Brady gets to Turns it. Touchdown, night again. Schultz just before Brazil got him. And the leaping interception by Woodson. Harbaugh back to throw over the middle. Caught by Collins at the five on his feet. Touchdown, Michigan. On its way. It's good. He's 5'7", 179 pounds, a junior at Michigan. But Jamie Morris packs a wallop, and he delivers for Bo Schimbeck. And here's your first play. Pressure coming. Second. It is Glenn Steele, number 81, who fought his way through the traffic. Option. And Robinson calls his own number, and he's going to score. Oh, an easy touchdown for Robinson and Michigan. championship again because we're going to play as a team and when we play as a team and the old season is over you and I know it's going to be Michigan again Michigan. Greetings. Welcome to this week's edition of Michigan Podcast. I'm Steve Dace, and of course, we are sponsored by our good friends over at Prize Picks. What is Prize Picks? It's the easy way to play daily fantasy. You can download the app right now. The award-winning app, by the way, it's easy to use on your mobile, both available in the App Store and over at Google Play. And you can get going right now on Michigan and other teams all over the country with props on player production. Prize Picks is the best legal way to play player props in states like California, Florida, Texas, and of course, Michigan. When you download the Prize Picks app today, set up your account using promo code Michigan. You'll get an instant deposit match of up to 100 bucks when you do. Again, download the Prize Picks app today and set up your account using promo code Michigan to get an instant deposit match up to 100 bucks when you download the app from the App Store and or the Google Play Store. This week's prize picks picks from me, and I'm seven and five so far this season. 
Bar. Michael Penix for Washington to go over 335 and a half passing yards against a terrible Arizona State secondary. And former Northwestern star Isaiah Bowser, I think, is going to run all over SMU. I think Central Florida will, the way that Maryland did. I'm going to take Bowser over 70 and a half rushing yards in that game. And so far this season on these, I'm 7 and 5. And now back to the Wolverines. And yes, you heard me right at the top. Michigan Michigan made history at Kinnick Stadium uh, on Saturday. As Jim Harbaugh said last week, Kinnick Stadium is where, quote, top five teams go to die, and he wasn't exaggerating in the least. The last six top five teams to go to Kinnick Stadium since 2008, five of them lost. The only win, Penn State screwed up the clock at the end of the game when it could have kicked a field goal, had to throw the ball into the end zone and got a touchdown in the final play of the game. That was the last time a top five team, the only time since 2008, a top five team has won at Kinnick Stadium. Of course, one of those victims, you'll remember the number two ranked Michigan Wolverines back in 2016. So this is the place where top five teams go to die. Michigan not only did not go and bury itself, but it took over the game from the jump and was pretty much, with exception of one stretch in the early fourth quarter, in complete control of this game the rest of the way, exerting their physical dominance, showing Iowa that, yes, we can play your style of play too. In fact, we kind of prefer it. We're just going to play it with better recruited players. And they physically dominated Iowa from from really the jump. On the offensive side, they did. I thought we'd have to throw the ball more to get to run the ball like that nope was able to run like that from the very beginning and then you saw the defensive line take over especially the final possession of the game uh, and bury Iowa with the pressure and so here's what this means I went and looked it up there has not been a top five team to win by double digits at Kinnick Stadium since number one Ohio State in 2006 that's 16 years ago Michigan is only the second top five team to win by double digits at Kinnick Stadium this century. It does not happen very often. This team plays its style. The crowd gets on you, breaks you down, um, breaks your will, makes you panic, and then eventually makes you play its style as well. And I think that's maybe what Michigan did better than I anticipated. First road test of the year, first road start of his career for J.J. McCarthy. And you know you know it's in his DNA. He wants to play some hero ball. He wants to play, hey, you know what, let's draw it up in the, in, you know, in the dirt, and my guys are better than your guys. But he stayed within himself, stayed within the system. And then when we needed him to draw it up in, in the dirt a little bit, that ended up being the uh, game-clinching touchdown pass to Donovan Edwards there in the third quarter. So J.J. played within himself. The offensive line fully healthy and together for the first time this year. The unit that was billed by Phil Steele, the best offensive line in the country that a lot of us thought could be even better than the offensive line that won the Joe Moore Award last year, finally had all five of its pieces together in a game and definitely looked the part in the way that it ran the football against Iowa. That's only the third time in its last 30 games that Iowa has given up a rushing total, anything close to that. You just don't run the football like that on Iowa. And we did. And then, of course, Blake Corum is quietly maybe putting together a a bit of an understated Heisman campaign so far. Uh, One of the top-ranked rushers in the country. He's the leading scoring player in the country right now as well. So the Wolverines sit at 5-0 
and have taken a major step to being at worst 10-1 and heading into Columbus at the end of the year and passing a road test that in the past with teams we thought were as good, if not better than this one, it was unable to pass at Kinnick Stadium. And so now you survive in advance. You move on this week against Indiana. What I think is key this week is we've got to put more on tape where the passing game is concerned. And I think this is the game where you can really exploit Indiana's weakness in the secondary, provided that the weather is good in mid-October in the Big Ten, and get some of those wide receivers that there's been some scuttlebutt, you know, behind the scenes, internet rumor stuff. It's even come up in some press conferences that some of these guys are like, hey, coach, you know, when's it our turn to eat? That should be this week. Blake Corm has carried the ball 60 times. You don't want to put another 25 on those tires, and you shouldn't have to against the Hoosiers. You still have Donovan Edwards coming back a bit. was on a bit of a pitch count last week against Iowa. So let's find out what this fleet-footed group of receivers can do, and let's let J.J. you know open it up a little bit and, uh, and see if we can't get some big plays in the passing game, put those things on tape to make that running game even more devastating as the winds turn to the winds of November and the weather gets colder and then that's the way you want to play in Columbus it's really hard to go to Columbus and beat them at a track meet that's the way they want to play we're going to be the team that's going to want to drag them into the mosh pit uh, come late November we've shown we can do that now we need to show though that if you go ahead and stack the box can we throw it over your head And that's what we need to show, I think, this week against the Hoosiers. Let's find out what Mark Rogers thinks about that when we return. Sorry. Misfire. Misfire. Some missiles are a dud. Sorry. Time now for the 10-Minute War. Let's bring in perhaps the world's only reasonable Buckeye fan. Also the voice of college football. At least that's what he calls himself on his outstanding YouTube channel. Mark Rogers is here with us again on Michigan Podcast. Good to have you back here with us, Mark. And Michigan gets out of Iowa City without getting kinnicked. I laid out some of the stats here at the top of the show. There, there has not been a top-five team that has won at Kinnick by more than a touchdown Uh, since number one Ohio State in 2006. In fact, this is only the second top five team to win by double digits at Kinnick this century. Since 2008, top five teams were one in five at Kinnick Stadium. The lone win, you'll remember that was a Saturday night game when James Franklin screwed up the clock at the end. They could have kicked a field goal to win it, and they had to throw a touchdown in the last play, and Trace McSorley did, and they pulled that one out, right? And so that's the only time. Uh, that a top five team has won at Kinnick Stadium uh, in the last since in the last 15 years. So Michigan got it done, really, with the exception of a few minutes uh, early fourth quarter. They never really threatened. If anything, you could argue they should have led by more. But the key thing when you go play at Iowa is you can't let them force you into mistakes. You have to be patient. And that's what I didn't think Michigan was going to be able to do with the young quarterback, and yet they did. I actually thought it was a very impressive win, given the history there and the circumstances. But what say you? Workmanlike. Uh, Michigan was very workmanlike, and I say that in a positive tone. That's a compliment to both the way J.J. McCarthy was handled and the way he was able to execute that direction. Uh, Game manager. He was a game manager on this day, and again, not – as a slight or a negative, but as a positive turned into game manager, the the shot that he took to Andrell Anthony 
uh, downfield for about uh, 29 yards, I believe, was the uh, the one time that uh, they really saw uh, an opportunity uh, to take what was there and take a shot. But other than that, uh, there was a number of ISOs on the Iowa secondary because those are very savvy players like a Cooper DeGene trying to bait J.J. and uh, him being able to avoid the big mistake. Uh, they also obviously took the opening kickoff and this was highlighted a number of times and I thought it was very uh, just poignant to, to how good this program's become in this particular team. The offensive line is just really strong. That center from Virginia, Olawatimi, is an exceptional player. Mm -hmm. And it's not just the offensive line and you think of it as the offensive line does their job and then the running backs just look for the hole and run it where the hole is or they look for the cutback lane, there it goes. No, but just the coordination between the two brings me to the coaching that must be taking place. That it's just not the offensive line does their job, running back, take the ball, and and you run through the hole, but it's even more orchestrated than that. Uh, that opening drive really illustrated the coordination uh, of those two units being on the same page, and it was a thing of beauty, and it being at Kinnick was key to okay, let's not let this be a 7-3 to three game late in the second quarter. Punch in the mouth, take the ball, move it down the field. Okay, now Iowa's in a hole at 7 to nothing, and for the Iowa offense to be in a hole at 7 to nothing is more like 17 to nothing for everybody else. Agreed. So at this point now, after this game against Indiana— then you have Penn State. That looks like that. You know, Penn State's on a bye this week, so that looks like it'll be a top ten matchup. Michigan's a twenty-one point favorite at the Hoosiers. I want to talk about that game for a few minutes because I, I think there are two things. I think there's a lot of Michigan fans, and maybe I was among them at first, who thought that JJ came coming in meaning meant that we were going to run the Ohio State system. And I think we have to number one remember who the head coach is here and that he has actually found a way to use spread formations with tight ends as H-backs and fullbacks and lead blockers. He has found ways to use that to run the power game he loves without such a congested box, meaning that you still, even though even, even if we barely get a throw to those guys, you can't just leave some guy wide open in the slot. Right, you gotta. You have to account for him in your run fit, and there's and you so you can't load the box, you know, like you could before. And 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 you saw against Iowa, even without you know they were out with they were without one of their guys, but that entire linebacker core was on the Butkus Award watch list to start the year. I mean, Campbell might have been the best linebacker returning in college football this year. And you saw with JJ, even if we don't want to run it with him because Kate's hurt, we don't have an experienced backup right now. The threat that we might on any down, just a snap second of hesitation by those linebackers that they can't come downhill on the snap and fill the gap. With the way our offensive line blocks, that helps that coordination that you're talking about. They get essentially an extra half second because you have to account for J.J. McCarthy. I assume, Mark, moving forward, and maybe it'll happen this week against Indiana because Tom Allen's a former defensive coordinator. I thought Iowa would do it. They never did. I assume someone at some point is going to say, you know what, we're just coming downhill every snap, 
And and if JJ keeps it and creases us and takes it to the house because he's a four or five guy, we'll have to live with that. But we don't. We're just gonna have to call your bluff because we can't hit, sit here and let Blake Corum just get five, nine, twelve, eleven, seven, eight yards all day long. That's killing us. You're controlling the clock. You're, you're controlling the game flow. We can't handle that. And I think one way to avoid that is showing more consistency in the passing game, putting on tape that we are willing. If you do that. We are willing to punish you if you go man against us on the outside against those receivers. And I kind of think that this is the week for J.J. to do that. What are your thoughts? Uh, I love your first point because I was going to go in that direction as well. So unlike most of the people watching this that are watching from a sheer Michigan perspective, and I know that you are first and foremost, but being a college football guy, you're watching this from from all angles so i'm watching both teams i'm just as invested in iowa as i am in michigan and the stark contrast between what from a the the standpoint of if you consider conservatism uh pass run ratio there's not a whole lot of difference between the two teams but to watch where they get to the same point is exactly what you just outlined the creativity uh, in the formations, the motion, the number of players that handle the ball, all of that on the Michigan side versus Iowa was extraordinary. <laughs> yeah. And I know that Iowa's hamstrung to a certain extent. It's their fault. But by the personnel, they they just don't have the weapons that Michigan does. So Michigan can choose out of have their Have you ever seen a, a tight end H-back loop? fake do a fake loop block like we did on that reverse to Ronnie I've never seen that in my life maybe that's like what wing T stuff was in the 40s okay but in in my era I've I've just never seen that a a blocking scheme like that it was friggin genius man I've never even seen it yeah yeah so it's impressive uh Sam Laporte is their best player Mm -hmm. he's a tight end that's just not a good place to be but anyway back to Michigan yeah they're gonna have opportunity to do I think that they, and obviously the proof is in the result, uh, approach this Iowa game the right way. They're going to have, um, you know, opportunity, you would think in this Indiana game, to show us what they're trying to become. And it's the next step for J.J. in his development. And, yeah, I, I just think that uh, it's it's an interesting game from that standpoint. I wonder, and, you know, Donardo talked about this in August during the BTN bus tour, looking at Michigan and Ohio State compared to every other team in the Big Ten, and that he really thought that they were building towards another 10-year war with the amount of talent that they each had in the pipelines, particularly even amongst their younger classes, how much more talented they were than the other teams in the Big Ten. Now, maybe Penn State with its last couple of recruiting classes maybe catches up to that maybe in a year. Um, but um, I, the, the the whole 10-year war thing, and, and, you know, the old stories that about Michigan would, you know, practice for Ohio State in the spring, that Ohio State on game weeks would have full days of practice during games that weren't about the opponent on Saturday, but about Michigan, that basically it was all preparation to lead to that crescendo. I wonder, if you go back to when Jimmy was at Stanford, right, the, the top two, after he dethroned USC, the top two programs in that conference during that mini run he had there were Stanford and Oregon. And they just had dramatically different DNAs in terms of schemes and approaches, right? I mean, Oregon with Chip Kelly was on the cutting edge of everything and Stanford was old school. I wonder if in Jimmy's mind, that is the plan here. And, and he knows that we can't do that with a, with a Wilton Spate or a John O'Corn and beat Ohio State. 
but we never planned on throwing the ball 40 times a game. We're going to play our game. But we needed a quarterback in there that if we had to throw it more to loosen you up and make you respect it, we could. But that actually, we are better off zigging against your zag. You know what I'm trying to say? Instead of trying to recruit at the exact same level Ohio State does for the elite of the elite skill players, good luck with that, okay? Instead, we're going to be the team that forces them to change their system and to play in more of a mosh pit than they are accustomed to and, and, and do what he did at Stanford so successfully against Oregon. What are your thoughts on that from a Buckeye fan perspective? The first version of the 10-year war, they were mere images of each other. So it was whoever made the mistake, mm-hmm. uh, whoever could muscle up a little bit more that day. But they were mere images of each other and then turned into you know, more modern football uh, near the end of that when Earl Bruce took over and so forth. But, yeah, the Oregon-Stanford, that is just when, when people make analogies to boxing football, that's your boxing match Oregon Stanford the styles make fights kind of thing is that what you're saying yeah Yeah. oh that was just exceptional that when those two were were um owning the Pac-12 because yeah the 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 end of the spectrum uh trend setting Chip Kelly that you just outlined and everything that they would do with the light offensive line that would get out in space and everything and then you would see you would see basically a rugby match on the other side with Stanford and their offensive line splits would be about that and it was just <laughs> to watch the, 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 di- the dichotomy there now we're not going to see it's going to be more nuanced yeah it's not going to be I mean, even even last year, this perception that we drug you guys into a blizzard and made you play three yards in a cloud of debt, there were 69 points scored in that game. All right. Ohio State still threw for almost for well over 300 yards. All right. So it's not going to look quite like Oregon and Stanford. Right. But in terms of what the final score might look like, we're talking more stylistically that Michigan, I think Jimmy has reached the conclusion that they probably can't consistently recruit at a level that they can beat Ohio State like that. And so we're going to be the most elite version of Wisconsin and Iowa that we can be with our recruiting uh, chops and then try to beat Ohio State stylistically by making them play in a phone booth. Don't you get the sense that maybe that's what he has settled on here? I get the sense that every week you're pushing and pushing, pushing me closer to racing Michigan to Ohio State's level and I just can't go there. I just can't I just can't be I'm really convinced. not. I'm just talking about this particular I just I'm just making an observation, man. It's not not trying to make it like cosmic. I just I just I know Jimmy is big into history, right? Both in terms of history history and the history of the game. He's always making historical analogies. I think he clearly has I think he tried the speed and space. It was a disaster. Last year, Josh Gaddis, I kept telling everybody, wrong Michigan assistant won the Broyles Award. No one listened to me, right? Then Gaddis went down to Miami, and look what's happened since he's gone down there despite all that hype. What happened last year is is Jimmy ran his offense. He just moved it into into, into um, less congested formations. They just ran it out. Of, they ran more split zone. They ran more duo instead of pro-style offenses so you can't, you know, blow up the box with players. And I think when he figured out, I can still run a lot of this stuff that Bo taught me how to do, but I can I can run it out of 21st century formations. I think I think it, that's kind of what I'm getting into. I think he had just made the decision that that was Michigan's path to making it a rivalry again. And, and what you're getting to is sizing up these two coaches that they're never going to deviate from what their core beliefs are and who they are 
as offensive coaches, mm -hmm. Ryan Day, Jim Harbaugh. So Ryan Day, he has toughened up his team because he saw it as a requirement. And they, they are a more hard-nosed, offensive line-oriented, run-the-ball, beat-you-up team. But they're not going to get away from what they truly are, and he's not going to recruit any differently than mm -hmm. he has. And you're sizing it up with Harbaugh that once the ball's in the playmaker's hands, it becomes the same offense than it was when he was running it. Correct. But everything looks completely different right. leading up to the snap of the ball and, and and when it's placed in the ball carrier's hands. Speaking of history, I saw Mayan Williams is, uh, was the is the third Buckeye running back to get five touchdowns in a game. The other two, Pete Johnson and Keith Byers. And if you look at Mayan Williams, he's those three guys are like all built alike. Like there's no Ezekiel Elliott or Travion Henderson in any of those. Those are all old school. I think people were shocked in the mid eighties, how big Keith Byers was to, to run the way that he did. Right. We just didn't typically see that kind of stuff. And uh, Pete Johnson, of course, got overshadowed by Archie Griffin back in the day. But I mean, Mayan Williams is kind of cut right out of that cloth in terms of the way he, he looks physically. And that kind of speaks to Ohio, what you talked about, which is Ohio State figuring out. Essentially, we just had the same conversation. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about, all right, this week against Indiana, let's let J.J. C.J. Stroud this thing a little bit and put some of that on tape, okay? And you're over there talking about, all right, you know, let's put Pete Johnson and Keith Byers in the game and get them five touchdown passes to show Michigan that we're not going to get punked around and make an excuse about the snow again, right? I mean, didn't we essentially just have the exact same conversation, which kind of reinforces my point, that a lot of this is now becoming, again, like it was when we were kids, preparation for that final game at the end of the year. It's fascinating, and Penn State's the best barometer of all this. Mm -hmm. How will Ohio State play against Penn State? How will Michigan play against Penn State? Because they're the one team – that could match up. Mm -hmm. Iowa credit them for all the good things that they do. And I don't know that Michigan's getting enough credit offensively. And I got to tell you, Steve, at 20 to nothing, I checked out. I'm trying to watch everybody play at the same time. And that was my number one game. Uh, 20, 20 to nothing. I got nervous. I got, okay. Cause I knew at some point, at some point, Kinnick was going to have a say in the outcome of this game, or at least I was pretty convinced of it. So when I got to 20 to nothing, I'm like, all right, man, I've seen this one before. <laughs> I got really, okay. <laughs> so, so I checked back in at 20 to seven. I was driving like 80 yards. They get it inside the five. They call that ridiculous fourth and two play where they can't even hit the tight end on his feet. And, you know, it was a debacle inside the five. And then I was like, man, I was waiting for a dramatic finish that I was not expecting. I say all that to say I saw the positive Michigan offense mm -hmm. in this game against Iowa. But I, I don't think it should be dismissed because if that was Georgia, Alabama, Clemson defensively on the other side, then people would be applauding. Absolutely. But yeah. Iowa, Iowa doesn't get that kind of credit, but there's no getting around from a production standpoint results. I was just as effective as those other defenses, if not even more. So to, to put up uh, scoring drives at the rate that Michigan did and to score 27 points is an accomplishment against that defense in that building. They'd only given up 23 total all year. And I think that's only the third time in the last 30 games a team has had a rushing total like that against Iowa. So that speaks to what you were just talking about. All right, brother. Um, good to see you as always. And uh, we'll do it again next week. Okay. Thanks, Steve. You bet. This week's Twitter poll results. We asked you in his four career starts thus far, JJ McCarthy is averaging 204.5 yards passing per game. Do you think JJ will have a 300 yard passing game this season? 
83% of you said yes. 16% of you said no. I'm starting to think that 16% of you actually might be right. Or at least maybe you want him to be for Michigan to have the kind of season we're hoping for. Let's get to the feedback of the week. And this wasn't feedback to our show, but I just had to show this. This is from a Twitter account, Swanky Wolverine. Look what it did with the Step Brothers poster from back in the day. Touchdown Brothers, or Touchdown Bros with Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards for Step Brothers. That's a great, that's phenomenal. Everybody I've shown that to has gotten a kick out of that. That is very well done. I love the maize and blue sweater vests. I mean, that's just, that's some good internet right there. That is some good internet right there. All right, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. We'll be back again next week after what is going to be likely a resounding win against Indiana. But then it gets real. Top 10 Penn State coming off a bye is the week after that. We'll have a full preview of that game and more right here on Michigan Podcast. Don't forget to like, rate, subscribe, five-star review, share, whichever applies, however you watch, like here on YouTube or listen, like over on iTunes and Stitcher. Help us to find more Michigan fans just like you the show continues to grow we appreciate that let's keep that momentum going you can also follow us on twitter in between episodes at michigan podcast on twitter at michigan podcast on twitter until next week i'm steve dace and go blue